the Scholars and Iron podcast. We don't cater to those people. They won't feel comfortable here. Some of the guys we have here are not exactly your standard kind of guys. They're not your uh, status quo kind of person. Good morning and welcome to the Scholars and Iron podcast. I'm your host, Joe, coming to you from outside the nation's capital, right here in the DMV. The objective of Scholars and Iron is very straightforward. It's to associate strength training with intellectual endeavors. On the show, we'll examine the connection between capitalism and CrossFit, philosophy and powerlifting, all the race and hell, and even a few questions. By the end of each episode, we'll get one rep closer to living the phrase, civilize the mind, but make savage the body. Now come on, let's lift. Welcome to Sanctuaries of Strength, a special series in which I'll be checking out different powerlifting gyms. Now, I want to view these gyms not only as places to seriously train, but view them more along the lines of academies of powerlifting, that is, different schools with their own theories, methods, and of course debates on how to get stronger. So let's get in the weeds. To kick off this series, I want to start with the Institute of Iron. It's located in northeastern Pennsylvania, and the gym is situated in the middle of farmland close to a small chain of foothills. The road to the Institute is open, but gradually becomes unfolded by dark canopy trees as you get closer. And outside are tires and other strongman equipment, a few horses roaming about, and a nondescript garage, and above its door, the image of a dark menacing ape with the Institute of Iron written under it. Yes, sir. Back at it. Katie's a great guy. How you doing, Joe? Not bad. He's sharp, no nonsense, and built like an ox. Plus, he has a pretty great power beard. I call him the Sage of Strength because he has over 40 years worth of experience on all matters of how to get strong as hell. He co-owns a gym with one of his sons, Travis, who's also strong in his own right. I first came across the Institute in January after I decided it was time to up my lifting, and I also wanted to get to know what made the Institute of Iron stand out among the many other gyms I was looking at at the time. Well, this gym's called the Institute of Iron. We've been uh, at this location about seven years. Seven years will begin in March. I always lifted. One thing that really struck at me as Andrew Kenny's gym was just the amount of medals and trophies that adorned all of his walls. I mean, it was crazy. This guy's got quite a repertoire in strength sports. I did Olympic weightlifting, I did strongman throughout the 80s and the 90s, and I'm currently I'm doing some master's track and field events. The Institute of Iron was definitely the first gym in which I felt like I wasn't really entering a gym so much as I was entering a torture chamber of strength. There are bars and machines everywhere, machines I haven't even seen before in any conventional gym, let alone the one back in Jersey. Now everything might seem crowded, but in fact it's meticulously organized, and that's exactly how Kenny likes it. Well this is a pure strength gym, everything that we have here is a lot of odd pieces. Everything here was selected and we looked for and you know we purchased things that we wanted. We don't have anything that's particularly cardio except like the prowler and sleds and battling ropes and things like that. You know, if you want cardio, you can go out for a for a run before you start your workout or after your workout. So we just pretty much focus on strength and anything that can make you stronger. We try to get we try new things, old things and Some's good, some's not so good. What I find so interesting about strength gyms is that they are literally living laboratories of knowledge. I mean, everything that Kenny has selected, everything he has chosen, each item represents a particular methodology, a particular use. So I wanted to know 
What exactly was his gym's methodology? We're sort of a conjugate gym, but we're sort of eclectic. We do pretty much anything that makes you stronger. I mean, we, you have to read, you have to stay on top of things, you have to see new things, you have to try new things. We like the conjugate system, but we're not a West Side because we're obviously not West Side. West Side refers to the West Side Barbell Club based in Columbus, Ohio. Its founder, Louis Simmons, borrowed the name from a gym he admired called Westside in Culver City, California, and established his own back in the early 80s. Simmons is something of a legend within the world of powerlifting. He holds multiple elite records in several weight classes and attributes his success to what he refers to as the conjugate system, which was a methodology the Soviets were using for their athletes throughout the 20th century. Conjugate is just a way to keep you continually getting better in all facets, power, strength, hypertrophy. You're continually doing things to beat adaptation. It, it's... We pretty much go toward the West Side's thinking on that, but it makes it more fun. It makes it, it's scientific, has science behind it, but it also has a, it makes it, you want to come and do things more. You're not doing the same thing all the time. You're improving. You can improve every day. You can improve in something. Conjugate training has gotten bigger over the past several years, but so is the sport of powerlifting itself. I asked Kenny what he thought about the influx of new lifters and whether the sport has changed at all when he was starting. Then it was more of a, little outlaw sport, a fringe sport. They used, to, like, they used to call it the odd lifts. It was not as many people doing it. You called, you, you said you were a powerlifter. Nobody knew what you did. Nobody understood. Everybody thought you were a, a weightlifter like a Vasily Alexei. They, they, what they do in the Olympics. Nowadays, a lot of guys are just uh, like hobbyists. They want to try it. They come in. They come in for one or two contests, one contest, and then they move on and try other things. It's not a bad thing. It... it Makes the promoters a lot of money. It gives you a lot of different places to go, but it's very, very fragmented into as to you know what is good, what is not good. Sometimes federations make rules to fit their lifters. The depth of the squad is not quite the same. Drug usage is accepted, not accepted. Back in the day, 30 people in the meet was a big meet, but it was really, really hard to get a trophy. If you got third place, you were happy. Nowadays, you pay a lot, lot more. There's a lot more meets. There's a lot more classes. So pretty much you go and you buy your trophy, you go home. Of course, it's softened the sport because, you know, before you'd go and you, uh, well, other sports like the track and field, you go to track and field, you might do the best you ever did. You might never ever see a medal. You might see a medal if you're lucky, but you're going to, to your performance in the individualized thing. You're going to, you know, be competitive to compete, but powerlifting, you just have to pretty much show up at a lot of contests. What makes the Institute important to my mind is that it's not just a place to learn a sport like powerlifting, but to also tap into a sturdier, older way of approaching the sport. Precisely in the way one would approach a scientific discipline or even a religious vocation in a very disciplined manner. And that's something that you really can't get from a commercial gym. Old school's mentality. Old school is coming in and you don't complain that it's cold, or that something's rusty. The methodologies of today are based on the methodologies of the old times. They're not much different. They probably didn't know scientifically what they were doing, but a lot of the stuff is taken from back in the day. A lot of West Side stuff is based on the old West Side stuff from the 50s and the 60s. And old school, again, is, is just a way of thinking. It's just getting strong for strength's sake, not for a show-off. We also got into the economics of commercial gyms and those like Kenny's. Commercial gyms are little societies. So whatever society is doing at the time, if, if they're... Uh, sedentary, if they're lazy, if they're, they don't want to work out, you want to make a place where they feel comfortable because there's a lot of them. They don't feel comfortable coming to a place like this that's a little dirty, grunting and groaning, throwing heavy, rusty weights around. They want to have a pizza day. They want to have a, uh, 
nice clean machines. They want to have a lot of cardio equipment. So it serves a purpose. And like I said, there's a lot of them. If you look at some of these uh, commercial gyms, they're loaded. They have 600, 300, 400, 500 members. We're running on right now probably like 35 members. And, you know, just enough to keep us going. We're not making a whole lot of money, but we're, we're doing what we like to do with what, what, you know, what our plan holds on. So there's only a few 30 people out of all of the people in a Planet Fitness or a pl- other place like that. Different things, different things. We don't cater to those people. They won't feel comfortable here. Some of the guys we have here are not exactly your standard kind of guys. They're not your... Uh, status quo kind of person. One of the great things about gyms like the Institute of Iron that commercial gyms severely lack is the kind of community that it helps to foster, that is, the members. Oh, we got a variety. We have doctors, we have priests. Whoa, priests? We actually had two priests here. We have PhDs, you're a PhD, but we had a PhD here. We have uh, engineers here. We have corrections officers here. Back in the old days, I always tell the guys here, the old days, the gyms were filled with guys that were Working guys, uh, construction guys, guys that were out of prison, police officers, firemen. That's that's what your, your basic gym was. Inside the gym, they were all the same. In spite of the wide array of members and their backgrounds, the Institute is not an open gym per se. Because the Institute is a place of knowledge, the kind which you would pass on only after years of study and practice, Kenny and Travis are selective in terms of who is allowed to become a member and who is not. It has nothing to do with your current strength level. It has to do with your desire to get strong. You have the desire and you want to do what it takes to get strong and and fall in with these guys and take care of this place then you know you're accepted well like we don't ever ad- advertise what we actually do is if you find us you know you come in and talk to us and then you know you, you could either get in you might not get in or you might have to be trained so you can use some of the specialized equipment there's an old maxim a saying that is said in weightlifting circles that i tell you everything you need to know about the sport in five minutes but it would take you 10 years to understand it. Going to the Institute of Iron always leaves me with more and more information that will take me a better part of a year not only to read, but to understand. And that's because it truly is an institute, and not just another gym. Every time I go back, there's always something new, a myth that is busted, or a certain training technique that always keeps me sharp and motivated. So, if you can find them, and if you have the desire to get familiar with strength sports, seek them out. Guys, that's all we have for today. I just want to thank Kenny Toth and the Institute of Iron. We'll continue our series next week with Skiba's Gym in New Jersey. As always, music by Robert Slump. For Scholars in Iron, this is Joe, signing off.